What up, guys? How you doing? Hey, today is going to be a tad more interactive. So what I want you guys to do is, if you didn't bring a journal or you don't have anything to write with, go to the J-Rock and grab a journal right now. I'll wait. The J-Rock is in the middle. Now, if you have a phone or an iPad and you love taking notes that way, that is fine and dandy. You could use your phone. I'm not going to be dogmatic about the journal, but I'm going to have you guys do some writing, okay? I'm going to have you do some writing about your, about your life, about yourself. So take a note. Thank you guys so much. Grab it. Hey, what I, my hope would be is every Sunday, y'all come with a journal ready to take notes of what God is going to do, all right? Because really, note-taking and writing stuff down, it helps clarify what God is doing. And if God hits you with a point this morning, and you're like, ooh, that's good, you're going to forget it about the time you sit down at Bob Evans, all right? And if y'all serious about being equipped to be on mission for Jesus, it starts with, like, coming ready to take notes. So that's my hope, and I'm going to push that a little bit. Gently, lovingly push that. Um, and I'm going to have you guys write some stuff down. So at the top of today's page, right, May 2nd, Chrissy Tyson. All right, cool. And then Chrissy could write, my birthday is May 3rd. Chrissy's birthday is tomorrow. And you know what? So is Michelle Thompson's. Is Michelle Thompson in the house today? Oh! See how well I know my flock. <laughs> Facebook helped me. Facebook helped me. But happy birthday, ladies. We love you. Happy birthday. Um, so uh, get ready to take notes. A um, couple things I want to just give a shout-out before we start, other than these birthdays, is... Um, uh, our church planting people are gone this weekend at what's called church planting basics. So there is a, a core team that's kind of, not like the whole core team, but part of people that are mission-minded or multiplication-minded are in Detroit this weekend. They left Thursday, and they get back today. So that's Michael and Jill Burroughs. Uh, I think Ryan Failer went. Um, who else went? Roy and Maddie Garn went, and some other peeps went as well. So Pray for them as well. I put that in my newsletter that they're, that they're gone this weekend. But what they're doing is like brainstorming, vision casting, dreaming about the new church plant, which Michael's going to plant. So they're gone. Michael's our resident church planter as well. Um, so that's happening. And uh, as well, one thing you've been seeing in my newsletter that I send out is like pray for vision at J-Road. Because one thing is, is in 2020 during COVID, we, we set our mission, which our mission is to reach the, equip the, and send the, awesome, you guys know it, reach, equip, and send. So that is everything we're supposed to be doing, and really that's found in the Great Commission, right? Like every day that's what we're supposed to be doing. But the vision is like where we're going, and it's concrete, it's like this is where we're going as a church, and I want you guys to help pray and fast for that. So on Mondays, we pray and fast as a church. And I, got, I want you guys to make fasting part of your weekly discipline in some way. Um, fasting has been great. I haven't mastered fasting. 
But I know that on Mondays, I'm dedicating the day to fasting and prayer for that vision. Um, you know, one of the last visions we had at, at J-Road was when we had the um, I'm in 2020, and that's where our goal was to pay off our building, which we already paid it off. And it was to pay off our building, find a new building, and we did that. And I'm really praying about that concrete goal where God's sending us. Um, I'm meeting with the leaders at J-Road in a couple weeks. I, I invited those leaders to that, to, to, to brainstorm and pray about that. But I want you guys to join me in praying for that as well, okay? Because I feel like ever since COVID happened, I feel like the Lord is up to something, not with just J-Road, but I feel like the church in America in general, I feel like God is doing something. And not that he caused COVID or he brought it on us, but I feel like he's using it. And God has already used COVID to expose some of the weaknesses in the church, right? Like some of the things that, like, you know, some churches thought they were really strong and then COVID hit and they realized, like, oh, no, we're, we, don't, we're not, we don't have good disciple-making rhythms in our life. We don't have strong community. <clears throat> some churches I know I've talked to, they're like, we realized once COVID hit and we were doing Netflix church that we were, that we had a faux community and our people weren't connected if we lost Sunday morning. And really the church has to transcend Sunday morning, right? It has to go well beyond Sunday morning. So part of my heart is to equip you guys Sunday morning. So that's why I want you guys to take notes. And if I don't see some, if I see somebody not writing down, I'm going to call your name out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just look right at Emma. I'm like, just kidding. Um, all right, shall we get started? Um, one of the things I just want to start by saying before we jump into our text, and we're going to be in Colossians 3, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, verses 1 through 11. And so the, this passage, uh, we're working our way through the book of Colossians, Paul's letter. Um, this passage is a lot about speaking to your heart as Christians, okay? And one of the things is, um, I know there's a lot of parents out there, now, for parents, I, wanna, I just want to share something. Next week is Mother's Day, so number one, take care of your moms. But husbands, take care of your wives next week, all right? If you haven't put in an order on Amazon, do that. So you're not left hoping that it gets shipped before Sunday. Um, but this is one thing I realized as a parent. Parenting your kids was so much easier when they were five and younger. I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Pe peeps with older kids, you're saying parenting, I, parenting is harder when you're older. But what I, I'm saying is I felt it was easier to discipline your kids when they're five and younger, right? When you're 14-year-olds mouthing off, you can't spank them and send them to bed. It's just that, that time is done. Maybe y'all got spanked when you were 14. Um, there's a time where that's no longer effective as it was. Discipline has to change. You can't send your kid to their room and think about it, or you can't put them in a timeout, and you can't take away their Kindles for the day. Um, and as you guys know, people who've had 18-year-olds or 17-year-olds, it's tough, right? Because here's why. Discipline when they're really little is about behavior modification. If, if I seen my little three-year-old run to the road, I might give them a little tiny discipline on the rear end, okay? You know, not because I get enjoyment out of giving my kids pain, but I want them to know that you do not run towards the road, right? And the only thing, they, they don't understand reason at that age. They just understand a little tiny spank. But when they get older, when they get older, it's like behavior modification doesn't work. And you realize as kids, whether they're teenagers or 20 or 30, that you've got to speak to their heart. 
And even my kids that are starting to be 10 years old, I'm not really just trying to be like, hey, don't do this, don't do this. I'm now trying to like shepherd their heart a little bit and ask questions like, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do this? What's causing you to want to do this? And so it gets trickier, right? It's no longer just focusing on the behaviors, but it's trying to focus on the heart. And it's, it becomes a heart issue. And, you know, for many of us, while we have our struggles, our battles, we have, a, we have a hard time overcoming them. And it's like, why? Many times, it's a heart issue. And so Paul talks about this in this. In this. So I'm going to read our whole passage, and then we'll break it down, okay? So it'll be up here if you don't have your Bibles. But in Colossians 3, verse 1, it says this. 1 through 11, I'll read to you. He says, since then, you, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your what? Thank you. On things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And set your on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to... Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also... Ooh, you guys are paying attention. Rid yourselves of all such things of these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips... Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self and its practices. And we have put on our new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, Scythian, uh, slave or free, but Christ is in all and it is all and in all. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this message. We thank you for this word that you're giving us this morning. God, help us realize that your word is active and living and, and help us realize that we are all filled with the Holy Spirit. And with that Holy Spirit, you'll, you'll apply what needs to be applied to us. So God, so help us be open this morning to what you're doing and what you want us to do. God, some of us have behaviors that we just can't overcome. Some of us, our children have behaviors that they're just not overcoming. Our friends have behaviors and Lord, help us look below the behaviors into the heart. In our life, God, help us look at our hearts and, and welcome you in to those places that are wounded, that are hurting, that are misplaced, so you could heal those places. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said. So again, I'm going to break this passage up into two parts. So this passage is broken up into two parts. It's your head and your hands. Okay, your head in your hands, and this is the way I describe that. Your, your, you know, I'm sorry, not your head in your hands, your heart in your hands, I'm sorry. So your heart in your hands is this. Your heart is described in God's word as your will, your desires, your idols, your deep longing. That's how we describe your heart. And your hands are the behaviors that flow from your heart. So this verse is very much broken, into, broken up between your heart and your hands. And this is how we describe it. Whenever the Bible talks about your heart, it's meaning like, the, it call it like the seat of your will, like the seat of your longing. Like, 
what you want more than anything usually flows from your heart. It's like your desires, your will, your longings. And this is one of the main points that Paul's trying to say, is if your heart isn't right, or if your heart isn't in the right place, it's not going to make a difference changing your behaviors. And the church has gotten, made a bad habit. The church has had a bad habit of focusing on behavior modification. That's like dealing with the surface, which is the behaviors, and not dealing with the root, which is the heart, right? Not dealing with the root. Many times we try to correct behavior and our hearts are not fixed, and it just doesn't matter. If our hearts aren't fixed, the behavior will keep coming back. It's like we might say to somebody in the church, stop getting drunk. Stop doing that. And that is a hands behavior. But a lot of times in the church, we don't want to ask, why do you want to get drunk? Like, what, 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 what's going on in your life? What's going on in your heart that makes you want to get drunk? What are you escaping from? What, are you, what part of your heart isn't surrendered to the lordship of Jesus? Right? Do you guys know what I'm saying? Like, it's like many times, like, I don't want to ask why they're getting drunk. I just don't want them to do it. And with our kids, a lot of times, if you guys know, if you have older kids, it's like it's good to ask these questions. What is, what is, what is it, what's going on in your heart that makes you want to get wasted? What, that makes you want to feel numb? That makes you want to forget? And trying to get to the heart of those things versus just living on the surface. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? The behavior flows from the heart. The behaviors won't fix the heart. Um, and really, the only way the heart can be healed is through the power of Jesus. Um, but you have, to let, you have to figure out what that is, because many times we don't even know what to pray for. We don't even know how to identify what's broken to ask Jesus to fix it in our heart, or ask Jesus to heal what's going on in our heart. Um, and Jesus talked a lot about this, this heart and hands thing. Um, in Matthew 15 is just one of the times. So the, the Pharisees were getting mad at the disciples, and they're like, hey, you guys are eating with unwashed hands, so your food is unclean. And you guys are drinking with, eating with dirty dishes, and that's, you know, not clean. And so Jesus says, don't you see that whatever goes into your mouth, it eventually passes through your stomach and gets expelled? But what comes out of your mouth proceeds from your, and that actually defiles a person. So he's saying it's not what you put in your mouth is what defiles you. It's what's coming out. It's the words coming out because it flows from a heart that's not clean. And so he's saying, don't focus on what comes in your body. Focus in on what comes out of your body. Look at the words you're saying. Are your words salt and light? Are they filled with evil? Are they perverted? Are they, are they angry? Are they filled with rage? Are they bitter? And he's saying those will show you that your heart needs healing from Jesus. Those will show you that there's something's going on on the inside. And so Jesus talks about this. Um, Jesus is talking about your heart is what's important, not the outside. So that's a long intro to get into breaking down this. So I'm going to read verse 1 through 4, and this part has to do with the heart. And the heart is the most important. You want to deal with the heart first. It's not saying you should never deal with behaviors, but we need to start with the heart. So it says this in Colossians 3, 4, or 1 through 4. It says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. 
For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your what? When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So the first, this part is dealing with your heart, not your hands. And it's reminding believers that you died with Christ. And he's reminding the, the church in Colossae that your old self is dead and buried. Raise your hand if you have an old self. Yes. Raise your hand if you're not proud of some of the things your old self has done and you just want to, like, kill your old self. Okay, I think we could all agree on that, right? I'm there, too. Um, you know, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and think of something you did 10 years ago and you just cringe. <laughs> that's the old self that's hopefully dead and buried. And so it's dead and buried. And so it's like you've been raised with Christ, and he takes it a step further. And this is what one point, a pivotal point in the Scripture I want you guys to hear. He said, Christ not is a big part of your life. He said, when Christ appears, who is your life? So he's saying Christ is not just a big part of your life. Can you go back to that verse real quick, Clint? And he's saying, um, when Christ, who is your life, appears. And so he, this is important for Christians to realize. Jesus isn't just part of your life on Sundays. He, Jesus isn't just part of your life for that hour you spend with him in the morning, which is totally awesome. But Christ is your whole life. It's your whole life. And that's where we need to start. Um, it's a, such a pivotal point. The Christian life is all-consuming. Jesus just doesn't want your Sunday mornings. He wants your Saturday nights and Friday nights and Friday mornings and middle of the nights on Tuesday. Jesus wants every part of your life. He wants it all. And that's what we have to realize um, as Christians. So I, and, and I share this story. I did marriage counseling with a couple I don't know, it seems like it also ever since COVID, a lot more people from the community are like telling friends of friends to come in because they're struggling. Maybe they don't have a faith community. They don't have a pastor. They don't have a counselor. And so I've been, I was meeting with a couple, um, you know, a while back. They don't go to J-Road. I don't believe they're following Jesus right now. They're just, you know, kind of, I would put in that possibly lost category. Um, but we were talking about their marriage and working through some things. And one of the complaints was, the, sp the spouse, and I'm not airing anybody's dirty laundry because nobody knows except for me, but the wife was mad that the husband is too clingy and wants too much of her. And she's kind of like, I want my weekends. I want to go hang out with my friends on the weekends, and he's always wanting to hang out. And I'm like, dang, that's marriage. <laughs> she's like, can I get some freedom? Can I get away? Like, he's always wanting to do something every day of the week, and I just need a breath. And I'm like, I didn't say this, but I'm like, yeah, if that's the way you feel, you shouldn't have got married. Right? Like, marriage is like, till death do us part. You can't say, I want to get away from my spouse. We all need a little bit of time away, down again, and run to Target real quick, or we might need a time with our friends. I'm not saying that's not wrong. But she was like, my husband wants too much from me. He wants to be with me too often. He, he, and I'm like, that's marriage. That's marriage. It's all-consuming. You guys live together. You wake up together. You go to bed together. You go on trips together. You shouldn't want to get away from that. And if you do, there's something in your heart that might be misplaced. And it's the same with Jesus. Jesus wants everything. And some of us, when we became Christians or we've surrendered our life to Jesus, you're like, dang, pastor, like, Jesus wants that much of me? I wasn't signing up for that. And it's like, yes, he wants everything. Jesus says, if you don't 
If you don't choose me above your spouse, if you don't choose me above your children, if you don't choose me above your work, you cannot be my follower. He says you must deny yourself every day. And so Jesus is like, I want to be supreme in your life. I want to be your life. And you're like, geez, I don't want to give Jesus that much of my life. If you don't want, to, if you don't want Jesus to be all-consuming in your life, you're not going to like heaven. Right? We're going to be with Jesus 24-7. <laughs> and that's why he said, when Jesus appears, who is your life, and takes you to heaven at the rapture, or if you pass away, you will be with him in heaven, and your life in heaven will be with Christ in the new heavens and new earth. And so he's saying, you better get used to this all-consuming, this all-consumingness. So, um, so here's what we need to do, is we need to make sure our hearts are right. And, and then he says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Set your minds on things above. Not on, he said, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So how do we do that? And many of you are asking, how do we do that? And that's a great question. And that's why you have your journals, okay? Um, I want us to do an evaluation of where your hearts are at right now, and I'm going to ask you a couple questions. The first is a heart check. It's this. What are some things that consume your thoughts and mind on a daily basis? Oh, sorry. Is it, go to the next one real quick. Okay. Let's start with this one first. Sorry, guys. We'll go back to that one next. My bad. So the first one is, what consumes your thoughts and minds on a daily basis? I, I, and, and it could be anything. Just write down what you guys think it is for you. Maybe right now you're like really into the NFL draft and it's been consuming your mind 24-7, like who the Lions are drafting. Maybe you are behind on your mortgage and that's consuming your thoughts and minds. It's like, it could be anything. What, what, what's one thing in your life that's consuming your mind right now? Maybe it's work, maybe it's stress. You know what we should have queued up, Bruce, is like the Jeopardy theme music or something? Next week. <laughs> so I want you guys to write some of those things down. We all have those things, good or bad. So as you're writing down and finishing up, writing some things down, so we live in a day where messages are bombarding you 24-7. If you guys don't realize this, like in the year 2021, we can't escape messages. I don't know about you, but I, like, only stream stuff on, like, Netflix and Hulu and whatever streaming device. I was watching regular TV the other day, and I couldn't stand it. Do you want to know why? The commercials drove me insane. It's like I watch five minutes of a show, and there's ten minutes of commercials. You watch another five minutes, and it's ten minutes. Eventually, I just turn it off. I'm like, I'm going back to Netflix. I'm sick of watching a hundred commercials about tampons and other things, and I just want to, like, move on with my life. Um, or, like, other medication. This medication, one of the side effects is if you take it, it will kill you, but it might help you in some ways. Um, so, so we have message bombarding us. The news is, is on 24-7, and many of you who are big news people, you're watching MSNBC or CNN or Fox News, and that's, like, the same messages on repeat. And even if you say, I don't do news, if you're on Facebook, you're getting bombarded with messages and fake news or articles or stuff your friends are sharing all the time. And some of it for you, it's triggering. There's TikTok and Snapchat. And there's also a new form of messages bombarding you. It's called the group t 
text. Anybody involved in a big group text with like a 50 people? And you have to mute those things after a while? Because <laughs> it's like they're just texting, and eventually there's like 15 people in a group text, and it's just two people texting back and forth. <laughs> and you're like, all right, y'all can just go to your own private text by now. But our minds are consumed 24-7. Does anybody want to write down something? Anybody want to share something that they wrote down that's consuming your, your thoughts and minds on a daily basis? It's vulnerability a little bit to share. What's that? Work. Work? Yeah, that's a good one. Getting the house summer ready. Getting the house summer ready. We, need new, we need new Adirondack chairs, honey. Let's go to Menards. That's, we, we had a bonfire last night, and our Adirondack chair blew in the bonfire in the high winds. So that just happened to me last night. All right, what else? What's that? What your wife wants you to do. That's good. <laughs> that consumes our, my mind, too, at times. Anything else? The, your grandchildren and their spiritual well-being? in their spiritual place? Anything else? What's been consuming your mind? Oh, woods in your house got caught on fire. Yeah. That's not cool. You live in North, North Muskegon area? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's not cool. Forest fires are happening around us, people. Um... Okay, another one I want you to write down real quick is, go back to that one, please. Sorry, I had them out of order. This one goes a bit deeper. The first is like, what's consuming your mind on a daily basis? The other one is, what is a longing you have right now? What is a longing you have right now? Now, this maybe is a bit deeper. Maybe it's like a heart longing that you have. Think about that. Write it down. Could be good, could be bad. Some of us are longing for a spouse. Some of us are longing for a house. Some of us are longing for something. Security in our jobs. Um, what do you, just write those things down. Maybe it could be deeper than a thing, but maybe it's just acceptance. Maybe it's validity or value. Maybe it's to feel attractive. Maybe it's, what is that? What is that for you? Maybe it's to feel successful in your job. Like maybe you don't feel successful and maybe you feel like a failure and you just want to, so think, write down what you feel like your longing is right now. Okay. So Paul says these things and he says, fill your minds from things from above where God is, okay? So he's like, set your minds on things above where God is, not the things below. Not the things below. And so the last thing I want you guys to write down in your journals is the third heart check is, what can you do this week to actively set your minds on things above? What can you do? What can you do this week to actively set your minds on things above? So the Bible would never tell us to do something that we couldn't actually do. It would never give us a direction that we can't follow. And so here it says, set your minds on things above 
And it says, set your hearts on things above. So that's something that you can actively do, right? Fill your minds with things above. What are some ideas of ways that we could set our minds on things above or set our hearts on things above? Yeah, Cindy. Spend more time in God's Word, whether listening to God's Word or reading God's Word. Yeah. Memorizing God's Word is very good. If you have a struggle in your life that you're having a hard time overcome, find a scripture that fits with it and memorize it. Listen to music, like worship music or songs about Jesus. Yeah. What else? Pray. Yeah. Spend more time in prayer. The Bible does say pray without ceasing. That means like 24-7 in prayer. <laughs> Live a life of prayer. What else? Fast. Yeah, that's very good. Fasting is one of the things that when we fast, I fully agree that it could turn into a religious thing that you just do just to do. And sometimes it could become religious or routine. But the point is when we fast and we pray, we're making a point to say, like for me, I'm like, why am I so stinking hungry today? Oh yeah, that's right, I'm fasting. What am I fasting for? I'm fasting for this. Let me pray, right? It's like a constant reminder that I'm setting this day aside for Jesus, and um, I don't fast the entire day. I just fast until dinner time, so I don't eat, it, eat anything until dinner, um, but it, it puts it at the forefront of my mind, and really my mind is consumed with that all day. Why am I fasting? Anything else you guys want to share? Discipleship? Yeah? It's good? The whole 30? <laughs> nah. Maybe the whole 30 with Jesus or something. Like, how many times do we have, like, Christian friends we hang out with and God never comes up in any of those conversations? Like, that conversation and that relationship never goes vertical. That's a great way when you're hanging out with friends to bring up, you know, I'm going to talk to you and ask, hey, how is, how is your walk with Jesus? Hey, Jay rode fast on Monday. What are you, did you fast? What are you fasting from? And like just bringing in Jesus to your everyday conversations with your friends is one way. Um, and you guys said of meditating on Scripture, walk in Jesus. But the thing about it is, as you look at your list, as you look at your list, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what do we need to cut out from the first list that isn't of Jesus? So the things that consume our minds, what are some things from that first list that we need to cut out from our life? Because honestly, if some of those things that you're consuming are filling your mind and not of Jesus, it's saying we need to cut those things out of our lives. It's okay. We can fast from Facebook for indefinitely and that's okay. We could fast from Instagram. We could fast from the news, and we could just start cutting those out, because if you're realizing that these things are consuming your mind, there's not going to be room to set your minds on things above where God is. And I think that's sort of what Paul's saying, is like, replace. What can you cut out from those first two lists, and how can you replace it with other things? So, you, so the question is for you, J-Road, is how is your heart? How is your heart some of you, some of us as a church are struggling with anger. And I've talked to a lot of people. I don't know why, but it seems like ever since COVID happened, people are angry. 
Like they're angry at the world. They're angry at their neighbor. They're angry at that person on Facebook who they don't never even talk to once in their entire life. They're angry, and they're angry. Some of you are angry at people at J-Road, and, you, and you're angry. And, and here's the thing. Number one, the Bible says, if you are feeling some type of way about somebody, it's your responsibility to go talk to that person. Right? Y'all can't sit there, be bitter at them, and be like, I'm so angry. That's doing nothing but hurting yourself. The Bible says we need to talk to those people. It's on you to do that. Okay? But here's the other thing. If you are angry with somebody, do you know that person isn't the reason that you're angry? They may be the object of your anger, but they're not the reason you're angry. The real reason is, is that you haven't been taking care of your heart, and the symptom of your heart not being taken care of is manifesting itself as anger, and it's directed at somebody. It's usually your heart is producing bitterness, your heart is producing anger towards somebody. And so that's why we need to have the heart check to ask ourselves, what is causing us to be angry? What does the Bible say? It says, what is causing fights and quarrels among you? Isn't that come from the evil desires that well up from within? And it's saying it's your own heart. People could tick you off. People could make you angry. People could act like morons sometimes. But if your heart is in the right place, you can brush that stuff off and it doesn't affect you. But if you're realizing you're tossing and turning at night and you can't get over it, that is anger coming up from within and it's being produced out of your own heart, which isn't healthy. Does that make sense? And so stop blaming that other person. And if you haven't talked to that person, that's on you, not them. We got we to gotta get it out. We got to talk to them. It's important. And so if your heart isn't taken care of or being filled with Jesus, if your heart is being taken care of and being filled with Jesus, you start to realize that people have no more effect on you. Yes, they're going to bring you down a little bit. You're going to recover a lot faster, and they're not going to, like, bring you down, down, down because your foundation is in Jesus. Okay, I need to move on because time is getting short. Colossians 3, 5 through 9 says this. And this, the first part is with the, hand, the head, the heart. Sorry, the second part is with the hands. This is more in the behavior. So he transitions from the heart to the hands. He says this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with his practices. Do you know in the heart portion he says, set your hearts and minds on things of God? And in this portion he's saying to do what? So the first part is set your heart on things of God, set your minds on things of God. This part is like, kill these things in your life that are coming out of you. Like, kill these things. When it says put to death, it's like these things in your life that we need to kill. And he says sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying. This is the word that he's given today. He's saying, number one, your heart is important. But he's saying, number two, if these things are going on in your hands, like, you need to get rid of these. You need to kill these. And so the last thing, I know I might have said the last thing, write down if there's anything on this list that you need to kill. So take a moment, write it down, put it in your phones, do that, please. 
The whole point of this exercise is that we are actively trying to be equipped. We're not simply consuming. But I want you guys to think about this. So as you look at this list, it says, you know, you might ask some of these questions. What is sexual immorality? Um, sexual immorality is sex. Um, any way that sex is perverted is not how God designed. It's, you know, sex outside of marriage. Um, the other, if you're reading like a King James Version, they use the word fornication. Um, fornication in the, in the Greek word is pornea, which is where we get the word pornography from. And so fornication is like sex outside of marriage, whether you're cheating on your spouse or you're looking at another woman lustfully in your heart or another man lustfully in your heart or you have sex with your boyfriend and girlfriend before marriage. That's all considered sexual morality. Looking at pornography, um, variety of other things that you could put into a camp of sex, sexual immorality. Lust is desires you can't have. Greed, when you guys think of greed, what do you think of? Money. Greed isn't just money. It's not. So greed at its heart, when the Bible talks about greed, it's talking about a selfish pursuit for more. It's like you are not content with what God has for you, so you just want more, and you want more. And oftentimes we look at rich people and think they're greedy. It's not the case. You could be poor and penniless and be the most greediest person in the world. If you want more and more. So greed is very much deal with selfishness and, um, and you know, um, money. You want fame. You want attention. You want compliments. And the other word, again, if you're looking back at the King James Version, greed, it talks about covetedness. It's saying you're looking at, you're coveting things you want and you don't have. And so we are desiring things that we don't have. Malice is a desire to cause pain or hurt somebody, even if it's just in your mind. You want to hurt somebody emotionally or physically. Slander is an attempt to hurt somebody's reputation. Filthy language, you guys all know what that is. It's, it's using cuss words, but it's using cuss words and, and being filthy. You don't, it is blasphemy. It's just, your words are not salt and light. They are just filthy. And let the Holy Spirit determine if that's you or not. So write down things in your life that you need to kill, okay? And here's a little insider hint. Every single one of us sitting in here has something on this list that we could kill in our lives, including me, including me, including Ashley. <laughs> I say that because she's up here leading worship. But she, none of us are going to have all these right. But the reason it says is you died to your old self and so he's saying your old self is dead and buried. But this theme in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, is when we have our old self, we've, we've put to death our old self, but we really haven't put to death to our old self. We've taken our old self, like the nasty t-shirt with pit stains, and we've thrown it in the hamper. And oftentimes, as Christians, we go back to the hamper, and we pull out that nasty shirt, and we put it on, and we wear it. Right? saying, I thought you put to death your old self. Why are you wearing that nasty t-shirt that you threw in the hamper? It's like, I don't know. I got it back out. I put it back on. And we clothe ourselves with our old man. And that's going to be the constant battle. It's called our flesh. The Bible said that our, the spirit inside of us in the flesh are always going to be waging war with each other until we have new bodies. And our new bodies don't desire sin. And we're with Jesus in eternity. And then we're free from that. We're free from all of these things. And we will never have these things in heaven. They're not going to follow you around. These are results of the flesh. And so he's saying, daughter or son, 
take off that old garment and throw it back in the hamper. Actually burn it and don't go back to it. So when he says you need to kill these things, that's a very important word because he's saying take drastic steps. What drastic steps are you going to do to kill those things that you wrote down on your list? It's not just like, I'm going to try harder. It's like, no, what drastic steps? For some of y'all, if y'all looking at porn, maybe you need to get rid of the internet in your house. Maybe you need to get a flip phone. Maybe you need to take some drastic steps because it's destroying your mind. You're like, I'm just going to try not to look at it. No, he's saying kill, right? And so these are all the things Paul tells us to put to death. Put off our old self. Do not pull it back out and put it back on. And so this is all predicated on the fact that Jesus is Lord of your life. This is why if I am talking to somebody who doesn't know Jesus and they, Jesus isn't the Lord of their life, I'm not going to talk to them about these things. Right? My goal isn't to help the lost live cleaner lives. My goal is to introduce the lost to Jesus Christ. Amen? And so that's what I want. I want them to know Jesus. I'm not going to tell them, like, how to, like, change the behaviors of their hands when their heart's not in the right place. And so we can be relieved of that. If you have coworkers that aren't following Jesus, we don't have to spend all our time trying to get them to live perfect lives because you know what they're going to do? They're going to be Christians that got really good at pretending they have it all together. And that's what the church has produced for the last 300 years. It's Christians that act perfect when they're at church and then live the rest of the way somewhere else. Because they're not dealing with the heart. And that's what Jesus cares about. Amen? It's the heart. So the things that you wrote down in, in all this thing, maybe the things that consume your mind, the things that you're longing for that's not Jesus, the things that you're longing for, it's okay to have those longings. It's okay to long to be married. It's okay to long to pay off your mortgage or whatever you're trying to do. But the number one longing of your heart needs to be Christ. That needs to be number one above all else. So he's saying, set your minds. Thank you. Thank you. Janine is kind of my, everybody's like, don't look back at Janine. She's just hyping me up. I appreciate that. Hyping up Jesus. Um, but he's saying, set your minds on these things. Set your heart. So how you set your heart is, what's your ultimate longing? It's okay if you want a spouse, if you want to pay off your house, if you want a new car, whatever. Jesus has to be number one, and those have to fall in line under that, right? So you need to set your heart. And then the other ways is, if there are these sins in your life that are consuming you, invite Jesus in to help you kill those things. If there's parts of your heart that are off, like maybe your longing is to be accepted. Realize that you have acceptance in Jesus. Maybe the longing of your heart is to feel significant. And if you are trying to feel significant in the world's eyes, that's wrong. We gotta feel we are significant in Jesus' eyes, and so we need to accept that. If you want to feel loved, you gotta receive love from Jesus first, or else you're never gonna feel love from anybody else. Jesus has to be your all in all, and that's the point that Paul is trying to make. And so the last verse is this. <clears throat> and instead of putting on your old self, he says, put on your which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of his creator. So what it's saying is every single day you are being renewed to look more like Jesus. And guys, guess what? You might not all look like Jesus from day one when you get saved. You might not all look like Jesus if you've been a Christian for 10 years. But if you are making Jesus Lord in your life, slowly and slowly you're going to look more like Jesus until the day you die. 
It's called sanctification, and it's becoming more like Jesus. It's okay that you don't have it all together right now, but keep surrendering parts of your life to Jesus. In verse 11, and he says, there's no Gentile, there's no Jew, there's no circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarians, uh, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So he's saying, put on your new self every day. Figure out what you could fill your mind with and constantly do that. Again, if you're not spending like a, a, an alone time with Jesus where you could really just pray alone, either at the beginning of the day or end of the day, make that part of your routine, but make it every part of your day and, and be in the habit of praying and making Jesus your all in all. Let me pray. God, we love you and we worship you. Um, God, I thank you that um, for this time that we could write things down and take an evaluation of our hearts and our minds. God, help us not give real estate of our heart to other things. God, help us not give real estate of our hearts to things that don't matter, to things that are going to pass away, to things that are going to pass away with this earth. Help us set our minds on things above and set our hearts. Help us fill our hearts with things of you and not things that are going to pull us away from you. God, if there's things that we're consuming like media or, or news or whatever, and it's constantly putting negativity in our lives and pushing you out, God, I pray that we replace that and fill ourselves up with you. If there's somebody in our lives that's just keep bringing us down and bringing us down and bringing us down, Lord, help us replace those things with you. Help us set our minds on you. Help us set our hearts on you. God, we love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Hey.